Welcome to the Four Parents Podcast. I'm your host, Ivy Lassiter, and I'm so glad you're here. Pop in your earbuds and multitask while we talk about all the parenting stuff, lessons learned, funny stories, and practical wisdom from normal people who've been there. Let's get started. I'm talking with Charlie and her daughter, Emily. I got to know Emily a few years ago, and at the time, her dad, Byron, had recently passed away. Byron was a pastor, and he and Charlie planted churches. I loved the way Emily talked about her parents and the ways they supported each other, valued family, and committed their lives to Jesus. So I am excited to share this conversation where we talk about what it was like raising kids or being a kid in the home of a pastor. Here we go. So from the very beginning, did you know that your husband had been called to ministry? I did. I went to college because God called me to special service. Otherwise, I would not have gone to college. I had a career already. And once there, when I met Byron, who was a theology major, I began to see that God's calling was to be a pastor or minister's wife. Yeah. So I knew that from the beginning. And you were like, okay, I feel good about this. Like, did you have any reservations or not? No, I I went to college thinking, well, I guess I'll be a dentist, become a dentist, go be a missionary somewhere around the world. And and then as I began to date Byron, I was like, oh, well, wow, I think it is a special calling to be a minister's wife. Yeah. (laughs) And maybe I don't have to get my degree and go on to dental school and all that I had thought I would do. Yeah. But, yeah. It it was really, um, it's kind of like, okay, I know my purpose now. Right. What was his first job? Uh, we went to North Dakota to start a mission. Wow. And spent three years doing mission work in North Dakota. That's cool. Yeah. In I the frigid tundra. <laughs> maybe would be what you'd call it now, right? Right. Church, church planting. planting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Got it. So was that so, kind of like a a shock or was it like, what do you remember no, about those days? It really, it's quite um, interesting because we were in seminary. We were attending a Sunday night service. Someone was speaking about home missions. Um, we went out and got in the car afterwards. And during the invitation, I thought, oh, my gosh, I just feel really burdened. I feel like we're supposed to go on home missions. But God has to call both of us. This yeah. is not a one or the other. It's a both of us or none situation. Yeah. So we got in the car and Byron started the car to go home. And he looked at me and he goes, have you ever felt called to missions? And I went, did you feel that too? No. I did not go down because I needed to talk to you and see if God was talking to you too. Uh-uh. And he's like, yes. He said, I really believe we're supposed to apply to the home mission board and go as missionaries. That is so cool. So then so. it's like wherever you go, even if it's South Dakota, it's right, it's right because you, y'all both felt confident it was what God wanted. He made fun of me because I was really cold natured and he had always joked with me that he was going to move me to somewhere in Idaho, which was <laughs> the coldest city in the continental United States. Uh-huh. Well, the first winter in North Dakota, our town was the coldest city 
in the continental United States uh-uh. and colder than Alaska. No. For 10 straight days. Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> so God, he has such a sense yes. of humor. <laughs> yeah, and you survived. You, we you did, and it, it was never a burden to me yeah. to live up there in the cold. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, Emily, what is your earliest memory of your dad and church? Um, well, I was thinking about that and I, he was a music minister for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so my earliest memories are of him leading music. So I don't remember him preaching so much. Like I do remember him preaching, but I don't like the early, early memories I have are of him leading music yeah, and, uh, doing youth ministry. So he would take, they would take us with them to do things with the youth because we often lived somewhere where we had no family around. And right. so I remember doing things like going on a, I don't know, some kind of retreat with the youth when mm-hmm. we lived in Lordsburg, New Mexico, and right. um, that y'all took us and we got to sleep in bunk beds and stuff. <laughs> had to sleep with dad, with the boys, and mom and I slept in a bunk bed with the girls or whatever. And, um, he was actually the pastor there, but oh, was he was like three. Right. So I just <laughs> so. remembered him doing stuff with you. I I. I was really little. Yeah. So, yeah. And I remember him like standing in front of people singing in like a brown suit because it was probably the 80s. Yeah. (laughs) At the time, like, did it feel, do you remember it feeling different or like just normal or for you? Yeah. It just felt normal to me because he had been a pastor when I was born. I was born in North Dakota. And they had church in their garage at the time. And no. so I was born and they had church on Sunday and everybody like came in to see mom in the house with me. So it was very normal for me to see my dad like leading worship. I yeah. Guess. How did y'all have boundaries or did you have boundaries with church and your family and your kids? Like, what did that look like for you guys? You know, I, I don't remember having boundaries because we worked in on the mission field. So our, the church was in our home and mm-hmm. all of these people were like our friends and family to us. Yeah. We, we live so far away from home that church was our family. Yeah. And so we did not separate that um, totally. We also, when we lived other places, we were always in smaller churches and they just took us in like Mm. family and we just took them on as family. So we didn't really have to distinguish, you know, between um, this is our life. There's the church. It was for us. It was all one big family. Yeah. And that was a healthy thing for you guys. It was very healthy for yeah. us. From my perspective, you can ask Emily. Yeah, Emily, <laughs> I mean, what did you how did that feel for you? <laughs> yeah, from what I remember, it felt very normal. And so growing up, I always was shocked by people whose parents were pastors who didn't like church or didn't want to go to church. Because to me, like we until I was five, we lived 
really far away from any of our extended family. And so like, I never saw my grandparents. I never saw my aunts and uncles. I never saw any cousins. And so, you know, the older people in the church were like my grandparents and the kids were my friends and the other adults were like, you know, my aunts and uncles and that sort of thing. And so it was, um, yeah, it just always felt very much like home to me to go to church, just like what mom was saying, because they would adopt us kind of as their family. And I don't know if it was just because we were so far away from our family or if it's just that I feel like my parents, especially are just really endearing people. Like Mm. people just love them. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like it was easy probably for the people in those churches to just kind of take them in because they were a young couple and they had young children (laughs) and to see like, Hey, we need to help these people. And they were small towns too. So it was like a, a closer knit type of community because like I, in Lordsburg, especially it was really far from other towns. Like there were not a lot of places close by. Yeah. So the people in the town all knew each other and kind of helped take care of each other. So yeah. it always felt very natural for me, even after growing up, maybe just because of those first very formative years to be really connected to people in the church. Yeah. So what was it like to, to be called away from those places where it was like family to you guys? Like, cause you were in North Dakota for a period of time and then moved Emily when you were to Southern New Mexico yeah. so went from the freezer to the frying pan <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I always felt like wherever God led, that was home. Yeah. And we, Byron and I both went to each place committed to live the rest of our life there and invest in those people. Yeah. And so until God changed that call and said, it's time to go somewhere else, we were fully invested. And even though, you know, we were far away from our parents and siblings, um, I don't, I don't remember ever feeling homesick and lonely for them because we were serving God where yeah. we knew we were supposed to be. Yeah. I mean, that's does a that be- answer? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's just a beautiful picture of the church. Like, yes, that you would feel so loved and at home and, and that's the body of Christ, you know? Now, I don't want to lead you astray to think that right. this was all easy well, because no. there yeah. was there was conflict in the setting in North Dakota between our sponsoring church and our mission, mm. which culminated in us leaving after three years. Yeah. There was conflict in the church, the hundred year old church he pastored in New Mexico uh-huh. because so many people were set in their ways and mm-hmm. trying to, encourage them and get them to do new things and incorporate parts of the culture around them. They didn't want to do that. So in serving God, even though we felt like family and were loved and cherished and we loved and cherished them, there definitely was conflict everywhere we went that had to be dealt with. Right. Emily, do you remember it being hard, like leaving a place or... I remember leaving New Mexico and I remember thinking 
that it would be strange not to be around my friends. Yeah. Um, and I think we left in the spring because my brother's birthday is in March and mine's in May. And some friends of ours got him a birthday present and me a birthday present because we would be gone before my birthday. Um, and so I really vividly remember that and thinking like just how odd it would be. I don't really remember feeling sad. I just remember thinking how strange it would be to be away from them. But I also just, I think we just had a really good, solid family. And so I didn't feel worried or afraid because I knew like wherever we went, mom and dad were taking us. So we were going to be fine wherever that was. So, yeah. Emily, how did your dad help you know Jesus? I just feel like he was such a great example of the verse in, I think it's Deuteronomy, but now I'm drawing a blank uh, about where it talks about when you lie down and when you get up and when you walk, like write it on your, talk about the word of God, write it on your doorposts, post it on your wrists, like whatever, put it everywhere basically, right? Um, Is what it's talking about. Tell your children about it. And my dad was really good at that. He talked about, Jesus and the Bible all the time. I might cry. (laughs) It's okay. Um, But he, yeah, he just really did a good job incorporating that into daily conversation. Um, Sometimes annoyingly so. (laughs) Like as, you know, young teenagers or like older children, like 12 to whatever, you know, whenever there's like something inappropriate happening on TV, he'd be like, that's not good because the Bible says this and blah, 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 blah. Like during the show yes, or during yes, the movie, yes. you know, and we're like, dad, please stop talking. Like, yes. <laughs> you're so embarrassing. Yeah. But, um, you know, because of his willingness just to basically give a running commentary about like what was going on in life and what the Bible said about that, like there was never any doubt in my mind about like what Jesus did for us being real or being important. Um, And also just like that. I knew I could always ask him questions. Mm -hmm. So I may have been embarrassed sometimes about (laughs) his commentary on life and things going on. But I also remember as an older teenager, reading things in the Bible and not understanding it and going and asking him, even as an adult. I mean, when he was alive, my husband would go and ask him questions too. Um, So just being able to have that place to go and ask questions. And if he didn't know the answer, he would find it. Yeah. Um, Like I remember he would one time specifically, I don't even remember what I asked him, but he was like, well, I'm not sure. Let's go find out. And we went in like his office and he's pulling books off the shelf and he's looking stuff up and he's reading things yes. to me, um, you know, cause he just, he wanted to help me learn yeah. and help me learn to love the Bible. And I love the Bible. Yeah. Um, and it was just evident that he loved the Bible, um, and loved, uh, Jesus. And so him just talking about it constantly and mom too. Of course. Um, yes. But dad in particular was, he was the more verbal of the two parents that I had. And so him in particular, just continually speaking about it. It's very impactful. Yeah. What did it mean to you to see your parents like work together in the kingdom of God? Um, I think that that was part of like, I always felt very secure Mm -hmm. in our family and in um, growing up together because I always 
knew that they were a team and that Uh they supported each other. Yeah. Um, And I think it also probably contributed to me loving church also, because it wasn't just them that did it together. We all did it together. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I remember going on trips with them when I was really little. And I remember in our church in Jones, when we moved to Oklahoma, doing youth events and church events together. Um, And we were always all together. And so there was this very strong sense of who we were as a family Mm. because of that, that we were, my, my parents were very clearly about the things of the Lord. And so it was really easy as a child to want to be about those things too. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. What was the most challenging thing about your spouse being a pastor? When the children were really little, babies, toddlers, up until they could dress themselves and things like that, I think it was the um, carrying the load of the responsibility of the children a lot by myself as he went out to minister, especially it was evident on Sundays when he just had to get him ready and I had to get everybody else ready Mm -hmm. and all their belongings. And, you know, when we had the mission and it was in our church, that was really not a big deal. I just got them dressed and they ran out into the garage that had been made into a sanctuary. (laughs) So, (laughs) I mean, do y'all have a picture of this? I really want to see this garage. I'm I'm sure I do. It had pews and a pulpit I mean, and was sheetrocked in, had heat and air in it. That is amazing. <laughs> yeah. So do you, I feel like Sundays are, it's a little different now because of COVID and whatever and our, you know, how in person and whatnot, but right. Sundays can be so hard. Like yes. it, it is so hard to get your kids up and going. And ex- then when you're basically being a single parent doing it, oh, I'm like, I can't imagine, you know? It's, yeah. It's hard. Yeah. Because I feel like at times I was the single parent yes. doing all of that because of his call to the ministry yeah. on Sunday morning, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, and other various times I was left to carry the load. Yeah. I feel like because I had a calling to be his wife that I didn't begrudge him that a lot. Yeah. I would, it was the challenging thing, but it wasn't something that became um, a wedge between us that I had to do all that because I knew before I married him what was coming. Yeah. Um, But it was hard, you know, in those years when they were babies and I didn't sleep well and they didn't sleep well. Yeah. We had to show up looking great at church, you know, feeling happy. But, you know, I'm kind of an open book. So if I didn't feel happy, I think I told him so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think it's, I've kind of had to process this personally of like, there's, there's so many good things. There's so many people that need help. There's so many, I mean, right. Being a pastor, there's lots of good things that you can be doing and that people think you should be doing. <laughs> and that sometimes that impacts your family. <laughs> and it's hard as your family to go, wait, are we important? You know, and I just think it's a it's a constant 
thing to navigate and battle. It is. It is. I feel like God put me in a position through all of our church ministry settings where I was the protector mm. of the pastor and the children, the, the preacher's kids. Mm. And so I try to be the buffer and I try to help Byron see the boundaries of when it was time to spend time with family versus somebody else's expectation. Yeah. I ran interference for the kids and, um, you know, that's when I really kicked into protective mode as far as making sure we had the proper balance. I couldn't have told you I was doing that then. Uh-huh. I can just tell you now in hindsight that I really took on that role of protecting our family and guarding our time because Byron wasn't good at gauging how involved he was, sometimes overly involved. And so that was kind of my job to make sure he took care of himself and, and was part of the family. Yeah. Well, and sometimes our spouse can see something in us that we can't see ourselves. Oh, right. And yeah. so we need our, to say, hey, you. it's time, you know, to say no to that or whatever. So would that just look like you making a phone call and saying, hey, Byron, it, you need to get home or hey, like what, what did that look like for you? It could look like a phone call just saying, yep, um, I know what you're doing, but it's time to come home, you know. Uh, also, like looking ahead on the schedule and guarding some time. And knowing what was going to be coming up as far as church activities and his commitment level, what that was going to cost him, making sure that we had some time as a family or getting out of town for uh, even for an afternoon, just for a respite, a break from all of that. Emily, hearing this, is this like, yeah, I can see this. Like, would you call this your experience? Like, oh, yeah, my mom was protective or whatever. Yes. I mean, I wouldn't have, like, put it that way necessarily until she said it that way. But absolutely, because (laughs) she said she's an open book. She really is an open book. And she (laughs) was for my dad as well. Yeah. So, I mean, she's never been one to mince words or be afraid to, to tell someone that they need to straighten up. So... (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So she would, I'm I'm sure, tell my dad. Like, I don't remember her doing that. Um, But I do know, looking back, like, things that happened in several of the churches we were in, especially when we were in Jones, because my brother and I were older at the time, that we didn't know a lot of the things that went on there Mm. um, when there was conflict and things like that. Um, And that was intentional on my parents' part, so that they would never... um, just hurt our have like have our her feelings hurt towards the people there or have a bitter taste in our mouth towards church or, or whatever that they were very intentional about protecting us from that um, for sure and i can also look back and remember spending lots of time together as a family so i know that that was important to both my parents and um, mom apparently regulated that, <laughs> but I know it was important to my dad. Yeah. So that both of my parents, I think, really valued spending time together as a family. I think they understood my dad was a pastor's kid too. So I think that they understood yeah. that he, even he understood like the potential danger of not spending time together as a family, mm-hmm. like that if 
as a pastor, he spent more time with the church than he did with us that, you know, there was the potential for my brother and I to become bitter towards the church. And so I think he and mom both really highly valued family time. Um, It was obviously important to do things with the church, but it was also very important. Um, We always ate dinner together. We um, read like devotionals together at bedtime and prayed together at bedtime and read aloud together in the evening sometimes or watch shows together and things like that. Um, And so I just feel like they both really highly valued it. And I don't know if it was mom that made those things happen, but I think dad was very much willing to participate in that. Like he felt like that was important. Yeah. Well, and that your voice mattered in his life. Like if you said, hey, he wasn't going to say, forget, forget what you're saying. It was like, no, I'm going to listen because she's a part of, uh, we're one and, you know, um, which speaks to his character. And Emily, maybe is there anything else you wanted to add to what else was challenging about being a pastor's kid? Um, I really think that they shielded us well (laughs) from a lot of the challenging things. I think that they, like I said, they were very intentional and thought through lots of the aspects of how things could negatively affect us and really just protected us from that on purpose. Yeah. It didn't seem very challenging to me. Yeah. So you didn't feel this pressure to be a certain way or anything like that? No, no, (laughs) never. Yeah. You didn't feel like friends or anything were like, oh, that's the pastor's kid. I have to, I've got to do something around her or anything like that. No, no, I don't. I didn't ever feel that way. And I never felt like, you know, mom and dad were saying like, you have to act this certain way or whatever. I mean, I know at points we did get into fights about what I could wear to church or what I couldn't wear to church. (laughs) There we go. I would wear jeans (laughs) and I wasn't allowed to wear jeans to church. Uh, It's fine. I wear jeans to church all the time now. Yeah. So you you weren't allowed to wear shorts to church. Oh, sure. Oh, Well, I can't remember now, obviously, what it was, <laughs> yeah. but that's the only thing I really remember having a conflict about. It was never about how you should act or anything like that. Yes. Um, and I think that part of that is just because we enjoyed going. I mean, yeah. I speak for myself, not my brother. I enjoyed going. Um, and so it wasn't a problem for me. I wasn't kicking and screaming. I don't want to go to church. Right. So. Right. Did y'all feel any pressure to fit the fit the like pastor family mold or pastor wife mold? Well, I I kind of do. I'll tell <laughs> this funny story. When we were in seminary, Byron went to fill in at a small church north of the seminary, and we got there, and he went off to do I don't know whatever he had to do. And one of the elderly ladies, it was a really tiny old church, and one of the older ladies was like, "So you're going to play the piano, right?" And I oh. went, oh, I don't know how to play the piano. <laughs> well, you better learn. You're going to be a pastor's wife. And I thought, over my dead body. <laughs> if she had ever tell, wanted to learn, that lady said, no. shouldn't tell me to do that because only God can tell me what I'm supposed to exactly. do. Exactly. <laughs> so I was a pretty stubborn person. I did not grow up in a pastor's family. Uh-huh. Um I grew up in a family that was extremely involved in the church, but my dad did not get his paycheck from the church. So I felt even as a pastor's wife, I, I, they did not own us. Yeah. God, God owned us. I would not bend my knee to the church. 
if it went against what I felt like God wanted us to do. And I would not let Byron do that either. Yeah. He was more of a people pleaser. Mm -hmm. But um, there was an incident in the last church he worked at where I actually took a deacon and confronted our pastor on an issue that was happening against Byron. And um, yeah, so I, uh, the kids never knew any of this. We kept them shielded from the ugly side of the church. Yeah. But I will say that Byron and I learned a lot from the very beginning, even doing mission work in North Dakota about how to forgive our brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and to let it go and yeah. still love them. Yeah. And I've even seen God correct them on the earth and yeah. his timing and went, oh my gosh, I never would have wished that off of them. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think um, that's that the church is full of people and people are messy. Right. That's why we need yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I do think it's so, I think it's so hard for children. To understand, to, to be able to see that of like, these people are supposed to love Jesus and they should right. do what he does and they should, you know, and, and yes, that's, that's the idea, but that's not the way we are because we're well, broken we people. Well, we have to remember the baby Christians aren't mature enough to handle that yet. Yeah. And so as leaders in the church, I believe it's our responsibility to shield them and help them to mature to the point that they can handle that. Yeah. Because there is confrontation with Christians. We had more confrontations and conflicts with Christians than we ever had with the world. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, yeah. Our <laughs> thought was, you know, we need to help these people mature to the understanding that they can forgive and that they pray for their enemies, whether they're a Christian and an enemy or not. You know, yeah. it's our job to love those enemies. So it's a it's a growing and maturing process. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What encouragement would y'all have for the child of a pastor or spouse of a pastor, what encouragement would you say? You want to go first? No, I want you to go first. (laughs) I want to hear what you're going to (laughs) say. Okay. All right. Now I'm going to sound like the super spiritual person, but no, this is from my life. This is what I did. So the advice I would give to the wife of the pastor or a minister of any kind is to seek the counsel of an older experienced pastor's or minister's wife. Mm. I had the privilege of being mentored by one of the professor's wives when we were in seminary, and I am eternally grateful to her for opening my eyes really to really to the sinfulness of the church mm. and Christians and the neediness of the people in the church yeah. so that I could see them through God's eyes and love them in spite of their actions and behaviors. Mm. I owe that to her. Also, I would say that just as the Bible says, you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And then um, Deuteronomy says, with all your strength, you have to put him first yeah. in your life. Yeah. 
He is the one who empowers you to do the job that he's called you to do. So you have got to be in the word, reading the word, applying the word, memorizing the word, and acting out what the word says. As for me, I became a Christian when I was 15, and my salvation experience was such a profound event in my life that all I ever wanted to do from that day forward was live for Jesus and share him with other people. And so that has been, that is what I wanted to do then. It's what I wanted to do all the rest of my life. And it's still what I want to do till the day I die. And I feel like, you know, in Matthew 6, when he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. For me, seeking him first has brought all these other things like uh, my relationship with Byron, the kids, the church, friends, strangers, those have fallen into place in my life because of my commitment to put him first. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. And the last one is Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Put on the full armor of God. As a minister's wife, you are susceptible to the attacks of Satan and your own sinful nature. So study the word, memorize the word, and apply it to your life. Yeah. Yeah. I should have gone first. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, ditto. That's good. That's all. (laughs) Right. I don't have any other advice. That was really good. I I just think I love I love the truth of seek his kingdom first, seek him first, and all those other things fall in line. And how quickly do I jump to solutions and jump to my own conclusions about how things need to be or work out? And it's like, wait, but where when did I include Jesus in that? Like I I was using my own strength to do all of that. Um, so that's great advice for everybody. And these are from lessons learned. Yeah. <laughs> I have not been perfect. Yes. Oh, that. yeah. <laughs> right. You could go back to yourself and say these exact things probably 30 years ago, you know? Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. Okay. Emily, did you, did you, I know you have good words. Oh, good words goodness. Um, well, I was thinking of a couple of things. One, I think just, I just want to encourage parents in general, but especially parents who are pastors or Mm. married to pastors just to make time with your kids and your family priority. Yeah. Like make time every, I mean, there were definitely some days where we would like to need dinner together, whatever, but those were not the norm. Mm -hmm. Those. So I would say, you know, be intentional just to make time for your family. Yeah. um, Because that's going to, speak volumes to them. And I don't think they're ever going to feel jealous or bitter towards you or towards the church yeah. if they feel loved and safe with you yeah. as a parent. Um, so, I mean, even though like I'm not a pastor, my husband's not a pastor. That's, I think one of my main goals as a parent is just to make my kids know like they're secure, they're safe, they're loved with me yeah. um, and with my husband. So yeah. Um, that's, that's one thing, but I think as the child of a pastor, I mean, it's really hard to encourage little children and even teenagers when they're growing up and maybe not experiencing the goodness of being in a pastor's family, Mm. but I would encourage them to remember that their parents are human. Like it's just, 
they're not going to be perfect in it. And yeah. they're going to disappoint you yeah. and maybe not be there for you in some way you want them to be there for you um, or, or even just hurt your feelings or, or whatever. Like they're, they're not going to be perfect. Uh, and so if you're a pastor's child and you're an adult uh, and have, you know, some issues with that, I would just ask you to consider praying for your parents yeah. and praying to see their perspective and praying that God would soften your heart to forgive them yeah. because they were trying and they're not perfect and they obviously didn't do it perfectly. Um, but you know, for little children and even teenagers, just remember like, you know, you make mistakes, mommy and daddy make mistakes too. And we have to forgive each other for those mistakes and we love each other. And that's why we forgive each other. So that would be my encouragement for pastor's kids. That's great. Now, I think what's really sweet about this conversation is just the uh, ability for me to look back and just see God's goodness. Mm -hmm. Because in the moment, you know, growing up, I know that it wasn't all super fun and, you know, easy. And I know it wasn't super fun and easy for mom and dad either. And so I think it's just good as parents, as pastors, as children to remember that we're not necessarily going to see what good things God is doing, like in the middle of what's happening, yeah. that it's that like daily consistency that is so hard that is going to reap that fruit of just closer relationship with the Lord, closer relationship with your children, with your spouse, ability to serve the members of your church well. Like it's in those little daily consistent things, like mom said, spending time in the word, spending time with your family. Um, and like you said, Ivy, seeking what does God actually want me to do, not what do the people of the church necessarily want me to do that isn't of God. So just it's hard to see that in the moment, but it's been really sweet today to look back and see all those things and how they've come to fruition. And so I just want to encourage your listeners that you will you can probably do that now with mm -hmm. parts of your life. Um, and, you know, a year from now, later in your life, you'll be able to look back and see that in this time yeah. of your life as well. I don't know all of the careers that lend themselves to intertwine with personal and family life, but I know for a fact that being a pastor is definitely one of them. It's just not the kind of job that you turn off or you can clock in and clock out of. It's a career that your spouse and children get pulled into, whether they particularly feel ready for that or not. I remember Warren being a new baby and my maternity leave was wrapping up. I was trying to get something ready for a kid's program that I had going on that day. I was taking care of my new baby and I called my husband in tears. I remember saying something like, I don't know that I can do any of this. Well, I feel like I'm failing at being a children's pastor. I'm not a good mom and I'm a terrible wife. And Drew responded graciously, but honestly, I feel like that's the exact order of your priorities too, Ivy. And I don't know that that's what you set out to do. He was saying, your priority, apparently first, is being a pastor, second, being a mom, and third, being a spouse. And I don't think that's the right order. He was right. I needed to hear that. His voice in my life was what I imagine Charlie was for Byron. 
I love the way God took the gifting of Charlie and the gifting of Byron all those years ago and put them together to have a deeper, more profound impact on the kingdom of God. And while Byron may have been the one on stage or, or, you know, what we call in the front lines, Charlie was critically important to his work. By working together, by listening to each other, by supporting each other, being for each other, they gave their children a safe home and a place of belonging. And it was a beautiful thing. Oh, And I can't forget to tell you this. I wanted to be sure that you knew that Charlie and Emily have a mother-daughter podcast. And they talk about the good things that God is doing. And it's so good. And I'm going to link it in the notes so that you can connect with them there. But please jump over and check out their podcast. It's great. I hope you found something that you can relate to from today's conversation. And thanks for joining us. If you have any questions or just want more tips for parents, let me know at ilassiter at fbrichardson.org. I'd love to talk with you. See you next time on the Four Parents Podcast.